We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing gaming content creators and streamers. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Amon Green. Amon is a former NFL All-Pro running back and the 2003 NFC Offensive Player of the Year, playing for teams including the Green Bay Packers, Seattle Seahawks, and Houston Texans. He is currently the head coach for Lakeland University's esports program and is the host of the Amon Green's Gamer Lounge, a podcast on iHeartRadio. Additionally, he's the business development director for esports network ESTV. He's acted as an actor, radio, and television host, and is a veteran esports analyst and caster. He currently streams on Twitch and has hosted various Madden, Gears of War, and NBA 2K gaming tournaments. He's also established the Amon Green Foundation to give back to the community. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Great introduction, by the way. Awesome. <laughs> right it's almost as if i helped write it or something just about <laughs> exactly um, so yeah so let's kind of talk about your gaming and esports experience what was the first game you played oh man that started when i was around between five and six years old and i was playing on zach's i was playing on ColecoVision, and it was zach zon and uh, donkey kong and that's when the gaming part started it was then onto the nintendo entertainment system the NES, duck hunt legend of zelda uh, Gyromite with Rob the Robot, and then other games like Tecmo Bowl, Madden, RBI Baseball, things of that nature, uh, games like that. And then uh, eventually uh, a little fighting game kind of came into the, I say, into the flow, finally got into Tekken. I was playing Mortal Kombat, but wasn't my best game, getting beat up all the time by my teammates in high school and college. So Tekken 1, then Tekken 2, then Tekken 3 came out, then that was the one I got really good at for some reason. And then for esports experience, it basically started being an NFL player, you know, going to the Super Bowls 
they had the Madden Bowl. And of course, they'll just, you know, my agent will sign me up, let the let EA know, oh, yeah, mom plays Madden. Um, at that time, I wasn't the uh, the experienced Madden player. I wasn't the expert Madden player. I just casually played. So I got my butt kicked at a few of those Madden bowls that I played at. And but I still had fun. And of course, I got a free game out of it. So I'm not going to turn that down. Um, so I appreciate EA for for uh, inviting me and having those events going on. And then, you know, once f- football was over and then I got into heavy gaming i had started you know my one year i got put on ir with the houston texans in 2007 that's when i started really going in hard on my first fps game that i enjoyed which is which is halo and i played halo one campaign two campaign three campaign when it came out in 07 and then i played all the way up to legendary level in the right you know in the part where you can make the difficulty harder and harder and so once I knew I got to legendary level going through the campaign, that told me, OK, now I could go online because I tried to go online before and it and it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I got beat up. <laughs> I was getting uh, my KDA was negative. So I was like, all right, can't go online yet. So let me play this campaign to legendary level. And so then I went back online. Then it was a little different. You know, I wasn't slaying them right away. But then once I, I was able to catch up with the speed and the understanding the maps and understanding the game modes. And then I got better slowly, but surely got better. And it was just like anything I experienced in traditional sports. I played football growing up, baseball, basketball, ran track, lifted weights. The more times you do it, the stronger and better you get. So basically, the more times I played, I just got better and better at it every time out. And it was just another thing. It was fun. Again, you know, something I found, I say, as an adult, that once I was, you know, like just like a kid when I was playing Donkey Kong and Gyromite and all those games, it was just a great thing to do. Um by myself or with friends and family, things of that nature. So um, it was just now where I'm at now, just like I knew this was coming playing then to now. That was 2007. So we're talking about over 10 years ago. And I was hearing about, you know, uh, MLG and these tournaments popping up for for Halo, for Gears of War, for Madden, you know, outside of the professional ranks, like, you know, having Madden Bowl at Super Bowl. It was other events going on at different studios around the country. And I knew that eventually esports was, was going to show up. Competitive video games were going to be something that a player or person can go into a career on. And then also, as I knew, just like anything from traditional sports, there's the, there's the periphery um, jobs, you know, shout casting or broadcasting, you know, audio visual. So working the cameras in front and behind things of that nature. So I knew, and then obviously, obviously the games themselves, the companies that actually make the games that build the games, the coding, the design, the graphic arts, art part of it and all that. I knew that then esports and the video game business and video game world was going to be, you know, new to a lot of people, but then just, just slowing, I say just showing what it can really do for a lot of people in their career in terms of how they can become famous and do things that are definitely, not what it was 30, 40, or I say in the last century of business, basically. So that's where I basically got going. And that's like where I'm at right now. Amazing. So, you know, it seems like you were able to kind of like predict the future a little bit that, you know, you enjoyed it so much that, you know, if someone at your level who's also doing these other amazing things enjoys this level, then, you know, clearly there's something there. Yeah, it was it was something that from seeing the tournaments and where they were being broadcast on ESPN most of the time, but sometimes on ABC and CBS and Fox Sports One and or seeing online, you know, Twitch.tv, Facebook gaming, YouTube gaming, they all come into 
the fold and it was just a it's just a matter of time I, i've been you know for all those years i played college football nfl football i learned by watching how business works marketing business more than anything and i knew then that esports is easy to is easy easily marketable because it already brought me in as a kid and my mom and dad buying games month to month buying systems year to year consoles and then eventually a pc for myself as an adult that it was going to eventually just erupt everywhere and other countries that I once I done my homework were you know over in Korea where it was basically that's where it started with StarCraft 1 and 2 and basically came over to the US in terms of that game but then that game um brought the influence of you know making sure other games have that uh, connection and that uh, competition level so there's you know casual gamers that just play it for fun but then you have the professionals that actually get paid money just like I did playing football that is now here and it's going to be here to stay for a long time. Absolutely. So what was it like to kind of, you know, see yourself in a game, you know, the first time you kind of saw yourself as a Madden character? It was probably, let me see. Well, obviously it was 1998, the year I got drafted and I was a rookie on the Seahawks. And I think my rating was like a 60 something and it was just cool. And the only, the crazy thing about it though, I had already seen myself in a video game from college football because we were on, I was on the Nebraska 1995, 96, 97 teams where we won two national titles in three years and we only lost two games in three years. So we're 49 and two. That was my college record. And I had been on Bill Walsh College football and I believe NCAA football. I'm not 100% sure about that one. But yeah, I had already seen myself in a you know, red and white uniform, you know, Husker uniform, number 30 on the back, no name, because that was, you know, that's the business side of it, the, what you do, um, you know, having the likeness in there and all that stuff. So it was just interesting that it wasn't new to me once I got to Seattle. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that. It was just, it was, the cool factor was when I was in, in college, I came home to visit my family and to be at home with my mom and dad. And I went over to friend's house to play Bill Walsh college football. And I'm like, and we like, dude, my friend was like, come on, you're on the game. And I'm like, what? So when I first saw that and me running up and down the field and I knew it was my number, you know, me being 30, but it just didn't have my name. But I knew it was me. It was just like, this is crazy. I mean, I didn't. It's like seeing myself on TV for the first time doing something. And it was it was, it was putting a cartridge into the Sega. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Genesis system and then 
turning on it, turning it on, and it was me running up and down the field um, against my teammate, you know, or my high school friend that was me and him played the game together. So it was just, it was amazing. And and then it, again, that feeling came around again when in 1998 when I got drafted. Obviously, I knew I was going to be on the game. I just didn't know what my rating was going to be. But uh, again, a great experience, a humbling experience. It's like, man, never knew that one day I could be on something like this, you know, in the video game or how people say if they're in the you know movie industry where they'd be in a big movie or um, in a popular TV show. It's like, oh, wow, I'm definitely I'm here. I'm doing something fun and I'm enjoying it. And it's just just humbling to know that I was able to be. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more with a Credit Karma money spend account. You can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Part of that. Well, yeah, you know, definitely the likeness rights aside. I definitely think, it, you know, it's pretty amazing to kind of see you in the game. So it's like kind of gaming while you were kind of like in the NFL. You know, what games did you play in the locker room? Who's like, you know, your best gamer teammate? Locker room games were probably Madden, NBA 2K or EA, um, EA Live, NBA Live, I'm sorry, and uh, Call of Duty and a few Halo um, players here and there and that's i say halo i got heavy into when i was uh when i was a texan but being a packer being a seahawk like when i was a seahawk it was still fairly new so not a lot of guys played it i played it more at home than i did in the locker room or in the gamers lounge inside the locker room but once i got to green bay it it started to then become more player player awareness and obviously having the gamer lounge just a few feet from my from my locker it was uh you know, very easy to get to. So playing Madden, playing FIFA, playing basketball, um, NBA Live, or at that time, 2K wasn't around, so it was NBA Live on EA. And then playing Call of Duty was the shooters of choice that was in the room. So, and uh, i say some of my best teammates that I went after, that we would either go back and forth. i say Robert Ferguson, he was a really good Madden player. Donald Driver, he he talked himself into a butt kick and he was claiming he was good because uh, he heard that Robert beat me. You know, we would go back and forth and I guess Robert was bragging about beating me. And uh, so he's like, hey, Ma, come over to my house, you know, for dinner. We could play some Madden. So he thought he's just going to get an easy, uh, easy win out of this. Enjoy dinner and all this. So we did. We I set up dinner. Me and my wife at that time went over to his house and he basically got his butt kicked uh, in, in Madden lore. We uh, I, I dubbed him, so I beat him 21-0, and I was like, "You want to keep playing, or usually you got to restart the game from here because you know it's 21 nothing in the first quarter. It's not a that's a heavy uh, <laughs> a heavy deficit to come back from." And he's like, "Man, shut up, whatever, restart it." So we start restarted again, and I beat him again, 28 to nothing. <laughs> so it was just like it was just I was never a trash talker just because I knew in traditional sports you just play the game. I mean, if you trash talk, you're asking 
to take, make it personal, get your butt kicked, whatever. So just uh, just play the game. And so that's why I brought that part when I learned the traditional sports over to esports. So I never trash talk people. I just have fun with them. And uh, if they trash talk, they did. I just kind of let it slide off uh, my back like a duck to water, um, water to a duck's back at me. And uh, but always have fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important, you know, because once you start, you add a little fuel to the fire, you know, they, they you know, that meme of you kind of moving forward and you're like kind of like getting ready to get into it. it you kind of really get them into it and it's it kind of just elevates everything. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's a it's the part of gaming. You know, a lot of people game is about you know trash talking and on the traditional sports side of it, it's about trash talking. And for me, that was never part of my game because my brothers, my dad. And my and coaches along my journey taught me basically just play your, your let your actions talk, let what you do on the football field, let what you do on the baseball diamond, on the basketball court, on the track, let your actions do all the trash talking. And that's what I did. And I learned that in video games too. let my gameplay show. And, and when it was a competitive game, but then the, the games that once I'm not away, which I love to do is the, is the RPGs, the role playing games, you know, you're playing a game like a, the campaign of Halo or you're playing like popular games today, like Last of Us, that's on PlayStation. And I love horror. I love zombie. You know, I love horror and zombie all mixed together. And then it's a good storyline too. So you can't really not play a game, you know, be attracted to that type of game. And they have, they're coming out with so many games because of big budget movies like the Marvel Avengers um, movies where now they have Avengers that's out on Xbox and PlayStation. I play that because it's just great story. So just something to do to get away from the, the hardcore competitiveness some from time to time. Interesting. So how'd you kind of get into streaming? It happened once I found out that you could actually do it. I mean, I was, where was I at? I was in, I'm trying to think. I was in San Francisco and... I had heard about it right before I went to San Francisco was actually it was going. I was in San Francisco for the 50th uh, Super Bowl. It was Carolina Panthers and versus, versus the Denver Broncos. And right before that trip, that's when I found out that you could stream. I'm like, what? Somebody told me you could stream online on this website called Twitch.tv. And I'm like, no way. And because like the reason why I said no way, because I actually had a dream. Not too far after before that, that I was like running my own talk show. And it was from my basement. I had my headsets on. And I really, in the dream, it wasn't really like I had a controller in my hand. I was just talking and, you know, talking about things. And it kind of reminded me of that scene. If you've seen Do the Right Thing with Samuel Jackson, when he was the the DJ of the local radio station, he was like kind of telling you what was going on in the day, that it's hot outside and all that. It was kind of like that scene from that movie in my head. and But it was me instead. And then I'm like, oh, man, I can have my own channel. I could talk what I want to talk about. And I know I know marketing. I know make sure, you know, that it's not a whole lot. There, there's no cussing or it's not a lot of cussing. And I play fun games. I'm not a pro, but I can make it interesting. You know, I could talk about it. I don't mind losing a game. It doesn't bother me. You know, I can play and have fun and then bring my viewers in, too. And I was like, I would love to do that with people because I get that a lot because every time, you know, as a player, they're like, oh, man, you play mad. I'm like, yeah, let's play. And sometimes we get to play. Sometimes we don't. Now people can actually see me online. So that's how how it kind of, I say, happened. I found out from somebody from a conversation. And as soon as I got home from that trip in San Francisco, because I actually had the chance to go to Twitch to the offices that year or in that trip and met everybody in offices, which was great. But then got a 
connected with one of the representatives to help people get their Twitch accounts set up. And so I did that and it was awesome and got kept that connection and then got to got back home. I got on the, you know, the phone and email with uh, Eric. His name was Eric Burner. Um, got connected with him. And then he told me, okay, this is the type of PC you need. This is the type of monitor you need. You need to go get a capture card. So I'm learning all this stuff at the time. And it's just like, okay. And I love to learn. That's the one thing about me. I always love to learn something new. And so I'm learning all this cool stuff. I'm like, oh, man. And then my dad uh, was into IT and when I was a kid. So not only did I get introduced with the uh, to the ColecoVision when I was six, five, five, six years old, I also got introduced to him bringing home PCs at that time, the Apple II computer in 1983, 84, and he had to work on it and get it fixed and then take it back to work. And I remember once he fixed it, playing games like Carmen San Diego, Oregon Trail, fun games like that was like, wow, this is cool. And so from that on, now I'm here and I'm not quite like my dad, IT fixing on thing, but I'm doing a little bit of audio visual, got my own TV, basically I'm creating my own TV network in itself and, and I got to grow the brand. I was like, well, I watched enough TV and movies to have an idea how to do this. So that was a good thing I was uh, real comfortable about, but definitely overwhelmed at the same time. Once I really got into streaming, that first year, 2016, I streamed, started in March and I went heavy probably for six, I'll say almost six months into streaming every day. It was like five days a week. It was five days a week. Um, Monday, I had Sunday, I took Saturday and Sunday off, but Monday through Friday, I had streamed in the evening. I was coaching high school football at that time. So my practices was get over around seven, eight o'clock. And then, so I would stream from like eight o'clock to 10 o'clock or eight o'clock to 11 o'clock every day, took the weekend off. And I, and after the six months from like March to around June or July, I took a little break and and I needed it. <laughs> it was because it was I didn't realize how much process and how much of that process where I had to be focused and thinking of things of planning ahead of social media posts and all of that stuff. But it became part of me. And then now I could do it in the blink of an eye. It doesn't bother me no more. It doesn't drain me. And like when I'm feeling tired, things of that nature. So it is uh, it's, it's brought me a long way to basically where I'm doing now, where I know. Most times, most things I got to do in a day, I got to multitask. And I think that's one thing that brings to gamers a quality about their work ethic that a lot of, you know, some industry industries you don't get before. You This is something you get during the process. And it's a good thing because then it finds you find out right now, if you really want to do it and you're passionate about it, you'll get it done. Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's, you know, unique, your journey of just kind of learning about it and then really kind of getting heavy into it. How do you kind of decide what game you stream? Great question. Uh, it came about, it was, it was an easy decision to go with, start with Madden because obviously I, that's what I played as a pro. I actually played football and that was the better game. I said, that was a game I was more comfortable streaming because I, what I did before, you know, when I bought my computer, bought the capture card and started doing my homework. So what I, you know, buying that stuff, I started just doing my homework and watching other streamers that had already been on, obviously on Twitch and seeing what they did to make them different to why people viewed them all the time. And so I was just basically doing my, I did my homework. Like, I, you know, like you always should. And I got learned from playing football and going to school, do your, do some research, do some studying on what works. And so I saw, I watched all the Madden streamers out there. I watched all the 
you know, FPS streamers, Call of Duty, Halo, uh, Overwatch players, Fortnite players, and I just watched their their stream and how they communicated with their chat and how the gameplay was if they were communicating and just the thing I was looking for is how they were comfortable playing with that game. So I was like, all right, that's how it, that's how that's the that's how I'm going to get them at it. I'm gonna just play Madden because I'm comfortable playing that right now. And then Halo came next because those were two my two most played games that I have. And so I felt comfortable playing that on stream because I learned that okay, I'm not only playing on stream, I gotta be conversating with my Twitch chat as I'm playing because there's people watching. Or typing in the chat questions to me that I got to relay my answer to. So I was like, okay, I got to learn how to do that. And that obviously that didn't come easy right away. It came as a, a, a process. I learned a learned thing. And so it was uh, sometimes it was hit and miss. Sometimes I was nailing it. And then as I kept doing it, I got more comfortable. I got it in. I say my uh, daily ritual of getting ready to play video games is already get my stream race. And once I got to the comfortable level, which was a, probably a year in, so probably like around 27, middle of 2017, was when I really got comfortable. And it was mostly Madden because it just made sense. You know, I played I played football, so I'm pretty decent at it. And so I started streaming me building out my Mutt team, my Madden Ultimate team. And then every now and then I would ask a a viewer if they wanted to play against me and we play games against each other. So that's how I started off, you know, with uh, picking out a game. I mean, I think that's, you know, a great lesson. And when I talk to, you know, different, whether it's pro athletes or celebrities and other agents, I kind of explain that it's, it's a process. This isn't something that you just, you know, pick up and understanding how to play at the level and engage with the chat while also still watching the screen. Like, like there's an art to it and it's not just something that you learn overnight. And as you mentioned, it took you a year to really feel like, okay, well, I can turn on stream, I can play at the level I want, and I can still engage so that people feel like they're part of it. Exactly, exactly. And it's just, you got to understand, if you, you got to put yourself in their place. When I'm going to watch, if I'm going to watch somebody, what's going to keep me watching them? And that's something that I obviously I ask myself, because like I mentioned earlier, I watched a lot of movies growing up. I watched a lot of TV growing up, sitcom comedies, rom-coms, action movies, comic book movies, all that. And I'm like, all right, what entertains me? So basically, I had to basically find and ask myself, what's going to entertain somebody to come watch me? So I knew, you know, in my background, being a former NFL player, that's going to help. There's going to be Packer fans online that play something. If they don't play Madden, they play something. So that's going to help me a little bit. So I made sure I pushed that. That's why I, that was another reason why I picked Pitt Madden because it was an easy transition because then people recognize, okay, this is a Mon Green that played football for the Packers and then they can connect the dots. But oh, also he plays Halo or he plays Call of Duty or he plays uh, Minecraft every now and then or Fortnite, things of that nature. So that's just something that, like I said, it just became part of my, my MO and what I do on my stream. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So that's what about ESTV. You know, what is it and what are you doing there? Um, so what it is, is basically a network and it's called eSports Television. I was brought into it by a couple guys. One guy named Mark Watts, who was once the uh, coach, I say broadcasting coach for NFL Network and all of their analysts on that show. And uh, when he left there, he wanted to get in something different. He definitely did. A guy found him by the name of Eric Yoon, who is the CEO of ESTV, and the studio is out of based out of Los Angeles, California. So Eric 
had already produced two other networks worldwide. And it was both two Korean channels. One was, I think it was 2K24 out of Korea that broadcast Korean news and entertainment and pop culture information and news here in America. And so he had it broadcasting in two countries, basically two channels in two countries. And he had really had had made an attempt back in 2005 to broadcast video games. And it was a StarCraft tournament or esports. It was a StarCraft tournament, StarCraft 2 tournament back in like 2005, 2006. And he broadcast that tournament and then he re he, he had it on VOD and he rebroadcasted it like a couple months after that. And he did it for about almost about six months, six to eight months. And then he stopped. And when he stopped, he got all these requests like, Where's the StarCraft tournament? Where's esports on TV that we were watching on your channel? And so that was, like I said, 2005. And then fast forward to about 20, 2018, 2019. That's when I get brought in to, you know, I met Mark doing a broadcasting uh, coaching seminar with him. And in that conversation, I had him coaching me for the first time. I mentioned to him, I said, okay, you're coaching me up for talking about traditional sports, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, track. I'm like, but you should start diverting or pivoting to coaching the same way, but for esports. And he's like, what's esports? And I'm like, of competitive video games. And he's like, what are you serious? I'm like, yes. This was so this for me, this was like I said, 2017, 2018. And I'm like, yes, it is coming. It's here. Actually, it's here already. And they call it shout tech casting. It's not broadcasting. It's a little different. They gave it that name to make it their own. And you're going to have to you know, start doing that, getting your homework done and researching what are the popular games that they need casters for, things of that nature. So I kind of dropped a, a bug in his ear back then and um, before I was really officially part of ESTV. And, and, at the, and basically in uh, the end of 2017, 2018, that's when I got the first phone call from Mark saying, hey, I ran into a guy by the name of Ari Noon. He's really pushing hard to create a network for video games. Um, we don't have a name yet, but I just want to let you know. And that was like November of 2017. And then, uh, about, I want to say Jay, I will say June of 2018. He's like, Amon, I got the, uh, we're, we we're basically rolling this out. We got, you know, investors, we have a, a business plan. We have an, um, a good idea how to roll this out for everybody. So just give you another heads up. And then, so then August, like a couple months later, so then August of, uh, of 2018, that's when we basically got on the phone call and he's like, I talked to Eric, I talked to Mark. And then this was like, this is pretty much what the conversation to bring me in. So then now we're going to start bringing more investors in myself, uh, Shane and Brock Vereen were uh, the first initial three of us um, investing into the company to bring in um, esports to television. And for me, it was, it was a no brainer. It was easy to do. I knew it would be something that was going to be successful because I hadn't really seen any, I've seen little places online on TV, on linear TV, as they call it, that produced, or, you know, they talked about esports in a way or showed a tournament, things of that nature. And it was, it was okay. It wasn't a whole lot. It was just enough to give the fan base of esports something to talk about, but nothing where it's like we see on regular traditional sports every weekend, you know, there's a season for baseball, all the games being played in basketball, all the games being played for football and, you know, on down the line. And now I was like, this is going to be that channel that does it, that if we don't become successful and obviously make money from it, but we could start the 
the ball rolling in that direction to get more networks to catch on to doing this. So that's what one reason why I came on to the ESTV team. I'm um, one of the business direct um, business directors of business development there. Been at it for what's now shoot, I want to say three, four years now, and it's continuing to grow. We've got a big distribution of of I say networks and I say organizations like um, NCAA college organizations that run leagues for college esports from NECC to ECAC and big networks with iRacing from international online virtual racing um, that they've been doing for a couple years now since uh, I've been part of the team. So it's just been growing and growing. So that, that I'll say the few, and then the future for ESTV, I'll say probably is it's going to continue to get those networks, get those, I say spark, spark uh, sponsorships and partnerships to air big events and then eventually you know the whole dream is to get bought you know by some big other big network that brings us uh, into their team of networks to make sure then obviously we, we 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 get our ROI our return on investment but then also the dream is basically then have ES TV being broadcast on linear TV around the world and having some of the biggest events on um on that channel Interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, as we saw, television is definitely, you know, a part of it. And, you know, there's been different attempts at bringing, you know, competitive gaming and these big esports events to it. But there hasn't really been a consistent where, yeah, you can tune in and you have the sports center of League of Legends and Dota and CSGO and Call of Duty League. And it's just kind of like this is what happened this week in esports on like this really high television network scale. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, because that is basically the vision is you can have a sports center or a sports recap, an esports recap of all the professional games going on around the world. And that's the beauty of of esports competitive gaming is it's everywhere. It's not just here in the United States. It's not just in South America, not just in Asia, not just in Eastern Europe, Western Europe. It's all over the world. Every continent has its game that it plays more than any other. Like here in the United States, I know competitively Madden is a big one. And now Call of Duty is catching on because of the CDL. But internationally, you go over to Europe, Western and Eastern Europe, and then down to Spain and then parts of um, the Middle East. FIFA is very popular. Po- you know, soccer is well popular, well popular around the world outside the U.S. Um, you go over there to, I believe, in England and France. Rainbow Six is very popular and it's just a shooter. Um, it's a team shooter and real strategic in the way you have to plan out the the maps and the wins and to uh, have your game plan going into a match. So <clears throat> it's not as popular. It is popular over in the U.S., but it's a lot more popular over there. They got guy, you know, by the name from the NBA, former NFL um, NBA player, Tony Parker. He's a part of that Rainbow Six um, area market over there in uh, Paris, France, where he's from. So that is just just letting you know how who and how is getting involved in these in these games, in these leagues and for them to keep growing. It just it's going to just it's going to I say be forever for right now. It's going to be a long time. Yeah, you know, I've talked with some people in Eastern Europe and it's like, you know, Dota 2 is like all that matters to them, you know, Ukraine and Russia and like these these countries over there, it's like that's the only game and it's just on such a high level. Exactly, exactly. I mean, like Dota, yeah, Dota for, you know, Dota 2, like everywhere is different. Like I mentioned, StarCraft, StarCraft 1 and 2 is over in Korea and Korea is like the mecca of esports where it begun. And 
the leagues also have basically grown being being on TV. You could catch them on Twitch. You could catch them on Facebook gaming, YouTube gaming. And that's the beauty of it. It's not just linear TV, which is great to have it on linear TV. But if you could have it somewhere, at least somebody could get eyes on it and have it on the online on the website. That's even uh, that even does uh, justice as well. Exactly. So let's talk a little about, you know, the Amon Green's Gamer Lounge, the podcast that you host. How did it start and you know, how do you kind of choose your guests that are on the show? Uh, it started basically, I kind of kind of like I mentioned with everything else that's happened with esports and competitive gaming and video games. It just started with an idea and I grew it from there. And I, far, I first came up with like once I developed my Twitch channel. And I started to see what other people were doing differently because it just wasn't gaming. It turned into people doing their own cooking shows in their own kitchen and showing people how to work out the proper way or showing people how to do a computer build or showing people how to build a Lego set or building a Lego set on their Twitch channel or on their YouTube channel. So doing my homework again and I just like, like I said, I knew this stuff because I was that kid. I was watching stuff on TV constantly. And so. I just took the ideas of a talk show and put them together into my podcast. But then I knew I had to come with content, what that content was going to be, what segments were going to be talked about and how long the segment was going to be. So I knew how to I basically learned how to put together a talk show you know, just by watching other people do it and just knowing how a format of a talk show flowed. And that's how it started. And I started basically doing it with a couple I say fellow gamers here in town, um, they're moving out to Los Angeles now. They found work out there, which is great in the gaming industry. And so is Nixie and her boyfriend, uh, Beef Angus. That's their gamer names. And uh, we started a show right here in Green Bay. I actually was on my Twitch channel and I like made a big announcement. Hey, this is right after it was right after I joined with uh, ESTV. And I said uh, on my Twitch channel one day, I made a shout out. Basically, whoever wants to get into uh, I'm going to create a podcast. I'm going to call it. Um, at that time, it wasn't Mind Green's Gamers Lounge. I, just, I can't remember what I called it. Um, it was another network. Actually, I was working with before I even met up with ESTV, and it was a local guy, and I was working with him at that time. And it was, I believe it was called TGFN. And we were going to do a podcast, or just a show, not a podcast, wasn't even that. It was just a show. And But then the segments came, you know, where we were going to talk about open the, you know, have the intro talking about uh, playing, you know, we'll be playing a game. Once the show starts, then we'll start talking about what that game is, what the new game modes, if it's a fun game, it's a popular game, whatever, break it down and then get into gaming and talk about how and why we play video games. And my me and a co-host was uh, Nixie and actually was another guy. It was actually a local. I mean, I started this thing with a local TV station was the WFRV Channel 5, which was CBS, but we only did it on their YouTube channel. And then so we went from playing, talking about video games and playing video games to then talking about what popular movies are coming out in theaters, what's going on. Then we went to sports. Then we did bring in traditional sports, talking about what basketball, who was leading in the NBA, NHL, who went baseball at that time. And so that's where it grew. That's where it started. And then I just started changing things about it from time to time just to make sure I was staying relevant. And I was standing where, where it made sense to do the show. And that's basically how Amon Green's Gaming Line podcast started. Because it came from you know a whole bunch of ideas, and then I started to get better at planning, better at uh, writing the segments, and then <clears throat> and then having the um, the guests come in was just something new. I knew I could grow into. Once we did the shows, we could then start talking and talking, and eventually, I was like, it'd be great to have a, a host or a guest host. 
excuse me, to come in. And that's where that started. And once I was doing a sports talk show down in Madison, Wisconsin, a couple of years later, and then got heart, got connected with iHeartRadio. And that's where we were able to obviously having that name helped us bring in more guests, start to bring in guests. Interesting. So I know you're kind of talking about a bunch of different segments. So tell us about how, you know, your this or that segment. How do you kind of decide what's in it? I know you, you have your own little twist you like to incorporate. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's me having fun because I like to have fun at the end of the day. <clears throat> and I watch shows, you know, I watch from shows, traditional shows from like Oprah Winfrey show to the Ellen DeGeneres show sports talk shows and there's always sometimes when you watch a certain show there's that conversation where it's a fun conversation like they're making fun of themselves or they're talking about a fun subject and so i just fell on that because <clears throat> it's a conversation this or that is basically a great icebreaker you know people can then feel comfortable because you're just asking simple questions it's nothing hard where they got to sit and think you just got to sit there and say, oh, OK, oh, is it, you know, do you like DC or Marvel Universe? It's like, oh, that's easy. Like, boom. And then I know every now and then somebody's going to say why they like it or why they don't pick that. Why they don't like um, <clears throat> what is it? Why, why they don't like macaroni cheese over French fries or something. And, and it just you just learn about people and it just and it brings that that casualness that a lounge should have, because in a lounge, you're lounging, you're chilling, you're sitting back, got your legs up excuse me and you have, you know you're just having a good conversation with people either you know or don't know um, and that's the fun part and the whole thing about it is just <clears throat> and then people can be really comfortable doing what they're doing and that's just talking and playing you know we're talking about video games we're talking about pop culture and that's where that, that that's kind of where that it basically was created and now it's like very the funnest part of the show basically that everybody enjoys doing Awesome. So what's the future of the podcast? You know, where is it going from here? Well, it's going from here is basically with iHeartRadio. You know, we got our the head of iHeart marketing. Great guy, Drew Lautner. He is, I say, steamrolling this thing into the future where he wants to actually have a physical Amon Green's Gamers Lounge um, somewhere one day. <laughs> um, I believe that somewhere is down in Georgia, down in the Atlanta area. And so we actually have a physical gaming, Gamers Lounge to host it, you know, host guests. But until that time, we'll just do what we can do virtually. And um, and then basically, since it's iHeart, they have big music festivals all over the world and all over the country, you know, over the United States year by year, year over year. And so I told them and the first time I pitched it to him about the podcast was that I said gaming and music goes hand in hand. You got video games that they pay, you know, they have rappers in the game. They have singers in the game that were playing the popular games um, that because they can't afford it. They have that much money to bring in a, um, a Jake Cole or a Drake uh, <clears throat> or a Lil Wayne and put their tracks in the game or Big Sean or anybody like that and put their music in the video game. And so I was like, so that's why it just makes sense. You got an iHeart Music Festival in New York or the iHeart Music Festival in Las Vegas or L.A. We could be right there leading up to the bigger event by doing little small tournaments or just interactions, even having the podcast at the event, just talking with local people. Talk, talking with the celebrities that come to the event and we'll find out watch there is a lot of gamers out there <laughs> that you didn't know that existed and it's most likely somebody like ariana grande or uh, uh um drake 
or Little Wayne. Somebody plays video, you know. All of them play video, video games. games. You know exactly, that. exactly, and it just works. It works hand in hand. It just makes sense, and that's where, just as I said, just me grinding and doing my research on how things work and seeing who does what, who plays what. I say it's just a no brainer, and eventually it's going to be really a big deal. We'll be walking out to some stage of a hundred thousand people and watching me interview with my co-host Ben John and uh, soon to be uh, Notorious Afro Reina and uh, talking to somebody. You know, it could be <clears throat> it could be Little Wayne. You know, interviewing him about playing Call of Duty. You know, on the big stage right before the iHeart Music Festival in New York City in in a few years. That's the that's the dream, and then bouncing it around the world basically. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm definitely excited to see how it grows from there. So, you know, tell us a little about coaching esports at Lakeland University. You know, how did you kind of get involved with it, and you know, what are some of the games the team currently competes in? Um. Oh well, that was it's a fun story. So, one of my friends, who basically kind of helped me develop the whole gamers lounge idea, we were in a, we go meet at a bar here in uh, the Green Bay area. I still live in some northeast Wisconsin, and it's a place called a. Uh, Brick Street Burgers, and they have good burgers and good French fries, things of that nature. So we go there and we hang out once or twice a month, just playing, talking about uh, comic book stuff, talking about video games, talking about movies. You know, we all we both do that, and so that's kind of where the gamer. Another way, another area where the gamers lounge started because we started doing um, a Facebook Live right there in the bar, asking people that this or that. Um, that's where another word. That's another way. This or that. That's another place. This or that came from. So we did Facebook Live asking people this or that questions. And then we just started, you know, messing around. And that's kind of where the the, the podcast idea came from. Um, but then, <clears throat> you know, my, my friend Larry, he's like, hey, man, if, if we this goes anywhere, it goes anywhere. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's just let's let's do it. It's just do something right now. on We could do it on our phone, whatever. We're like, cool. So we did it. <clears throat> and then so that was our connection there. And. A couple of years go by, stuff with ESTV, like with ESTV, like I mentioned, is happening. And then probably November of 2019, he's like, "Amon, I got the perfect job for you." And so we know each other. So I'm like, "Okay, this is either have to do with football or video games." And he said, "You're right on both," because um, they want me to. They actually wanted me to coach football too, along with being the esports coach. So Lakeland University, they had done their homework. They made sure they had a budget. They put. They already put together a budget. And my salary, along with buying all the equipment here, was part of the budget to get Lakeland Esports off the ground. So we're off the ground. We're just finishing up year one, literally today. We have a player. If you, I don't know if you probably heard him screaming in the background. He's playing in the Madden <laughs> uh, playoff right now, <clears throat> and he's doing real well, and he's winning. <laughs> so it's uh, so we have Madden, we have FIFA, we have Call of Duty, we have Rainbow Six Siege, we have Fortnite, we have League of Legends, we have um, Smite. We will have Smite. We have uh, Super Smash Bros. And I'm trying to think is that that's all. I think that's everything. So we have about 15 titles between 10 to 15 titles that we've run. And the, se- the season started last fall. And there's a fall in a spring season. We're finishing up the spring season now um, between now and next week, actually. So <clears throat> and it's gone great. Um, we've had one national title with um the player that you're listening, that you're hearing in the background, Curtis, he uh, won the national title in the fall in the NECC um, division for PlayStation 4 Madden. And uh, it was great. And he has an opportunity right now. That's where he's playing at in the playoffs. He's in the playoffs for potentially another national title. 
Amazing. Well, congrats to him and, you know, we're rooting for you. So how does the whole recruitment process work? How do you kind of decide, you know, who makes the team and what games you guys get involved in? Um, It's just like that's where it's mirrors traditional sports. Hey, it's no different than me going out, you know, just like the coaches recruited me into Nebraska. It's the same thing. Coach, you know, I'm getting recruited <clears throat> or I'm recruiting players and I look over there their accounts. So when I get in contact with the player or the coach, you know, I ask them, you know, what games you play? And they tell me, then I'm like, what's your gamer tag? What's your um, Activision ID? What's your Steam name? And invite me in so I could see the games you're playing and I could see what their rating is, uh, what their experience levels is, what, how many hours they play X game, how many hours they play Call of Duty, Madden. And then I'll see how their their ranking is in that game so I can make sure I'm getting a player that obviously can compete and then I kind of talk to them. I ask them questions. How they, you know, how do they take a win? How do they take a loss? I watch them play. Sometimes I play along. The good thing about it, I can actually play along with them in a game, and I can see how they're communicating. If it's a team game like Smite or Call of Duty or Overwatch, and then I kind of could read. I can learn them on the go, basically. So it's right. The recruiting part of it is right built in for esports. It's like built. It's very easy. I'm a gamer. I love the game and I know most games. So I just tell the, you know, the, the recruit, Hey, let me invite me into the game. I'll play. And if I don't know it, I'll learn it. And that's where I get to know, you know, how good they are, how good of a teammate they're going to be. Um, and then obviously the other side of it is the, the grades, making sure their books and their classes are up to par with their GPA and the test they're passing. And, and I, you know, that happens with a couple clicks here of them sending me an email of their, me are sending it to me and our admissions team, things of that nature. So we all talk about and see what's on paper to make sure this, this, this these players are college eligible. Interesting. So is everyone <clears throat> excited to load up against a coach? You know, do you have to like hop in and Madden and show them who's boss or? You know? <laughs> uh, no, it's uh yeah, they, they're definitely excited to play against, play against me, play with me to talk, you know, to just talk with me about college because they, I'm running across players that have those dreams to the aspirations to be, you know, pro in something. And if not become successful at something, because not all the games have a pro league, but they have uh, tournaments that I say run the whole 52 week year every year. Um, like call well, the, and the ones that have leagues like Call of Duty, like Overwatch, like Dota, like League of Legends, uh, like Fortnite and then Madden and in NBA 2K, they actually have scheduled regional league teams. And some of them games, like I mentioned, like Fortnite, they just do tournaments year round. So then you got to win those tournaments. You got to win those games to get paid. So that's where the kid knows they understand where they sit and where they want to go. And if it's hard or if it's easy to them, then they'll, they, as I told them, they got to make a decision where they want to go. Amazing. So I also know that you, you know, coach traditional sports, including football. So what differences have you noticed between, you know, coaching esports and more traditional sports? Um, the similarities are right there. Uh, you got to train together. You got to be able to have clear communication amongst each other. And that means even the communication you don't want to hear, the criticism that you might have to hear from me one of your teammates, the team captain on how to get better and not take it personal. That is all about playing the game and to be successful at the game and have fun at the game. It's like all those intertwine. And that's the biggest, I say that was the biggest similarities. And I say the one big thing that I've learned that about esports athletes is that a lot of them have to learn that losing aspect because 
they haven't really learned it, how to deal with it. And it becomes more mental than it. You know, obviously it's more mental because esports is more mental than physical. And says so how to get over that and how to get past it to get ready for the next game. Because if you're down about a loss or a gunfight that you just lost or you just do an interception, the game is not over. You got to keep playing. And so you can't be worried about that one mistake because that one mistake can basically help make you lose the game. And so don't worry about that mistake. Deal with it the next day. Deal with it after you're done, you know, talking with the coaches and your teammates to make sure you could get on into the finish the game. And then we'll deal with it heavy in practice. So that's uh, the similarities for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a you know really good point that I kind of noticed early on with some of these players is, you know, they're just so used to always winning whenever they play that when they're starting to get up against, you know, similar caliber, potentially better talent, you know, the one play spirals into you losing the three more games going ahead because you're just out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just and it's hard to come back. I mean, if you get out of it and the game plays so fast that if you're not out of it, within a millisecond during the game, then that millisecond is going to turn into a quick game to be over and, and you're the loser. So it's get past it. We'll deal with it on Monday or Tuesday, whenever the next day is coming, we'll deal with it the next practice. We'll watch our film, we'll break it down and then we'll go over the, the reason why you lost that gunfight or you won it. But also it's all about the game. It's not about picking on you. It's not making you feel less than it's about making you better, building you up in anything. That's what we're going to do when we go over that mistake, because everybody makes mistakes. I don't care how good, I don't care how good of a player I was on the football field. I made mistakes all the time, but how I got better was I was able to listen to criticism from my coaches, from my teammates and listen to that criticism and not taking it personal is what made me better because then I took it as words and not a personal attack on me. And then that right there is what made me become the football player that I was and the people that rooted for me and rooted for my team. That's how we all were able to do because we knew what criticism was. Criticism criticism was there to make us better, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really great advice for everyone out there. And, you know, something, yeah, it's not always nice to hear what you don't want to hear. But at the end of the day, it's only for your best interest. And you have to realize that the person that's telling you that, whether it's your teammate or your coach, it's because they want you to succeed. It's not because they want to, you know, belittle you or, you know, say, oh, you messed up. Exactly. Exactly. It's there to make you better. I mean, because that's all at the end of the day, your coach, a teacher, parents, brother, older brother, young, older brother, older sister, older sibling, older relative. Most of the time they're there to make sure that you are going to be successful. And it's not nothing personal. They're there because they're going off of their experiences that they went through to get past something, to learn something, to get better. And they're just trying to relay that same message to you. Make sure you, that you don't make that mistake. And if you do make that mistake, that's OK. Then that's how you work through it, basically. Awesome. So what's the future of Lakeland University Esports? I know you guys just recently announced something with Bucks Gaming. Uh, yes, we uh, announced a partnership with them. So we're going to be collaborating with them and some of their coaches and some of their players with our 2K players. And even with some of our regular players who play, casual, you know, we'll have a stream coming up in the next couple of weeks where we'll just have a casual stream of playing um, like Call of Duty with their players and our players that are available. And that's just and that's the beauty of esports is that it doesn't have to be a competitive competition every time is, look, let's just play and have fun. But then also the, the part that's going to help us and help them from a branding standpoint and then from a competitive standpoint, we get to get some of their hands on coaching 
from their players um, that learn if they want to be a coach there and then they're going to start delving into that activity as well because it's something that I say all players in traditional sports eventually go to they eventually say hey I got to be you know if I'm on I can't be a pro forever and what's going to be the next thing I can do then now the 2k players at bus game and they can learn if they like coaching or not and then our players obviously could take that coaching to help us get better at that game of 2k basically Awesome. I mean, I'm definitely a big, you know, fan of the 2K League and, you know, the Bucks and all the different teams. So glad to see you guys doing some of that stuff. So we're going to kind of take this towards the end. I know you've done some esports casting and commentating work. You know, how'd you kind of get into it? And, you know, what was kind of a memorable moment or two that you were, you know, involved in? Um, I got into that because of just all the connections I was making with, uh, I say, with the video game world from, you know, a guy by the name of Hank Basket to Larry Ridley to, you know, meeting Alex Mendez, Golden Boy, um, and just connecting the dots. And this is where I started streaming. I started to understand the business part of it and also being a business person, business, business minded that, you know, I created my business card and I start handing it out to people, even if they didn't call me, you know, at least they had the information where they could find me. And that's basically what I was doing. And one thing led to another, meeting Hate Basket. He introduced me to a whole bunch of great people in the gaming world. And then meeting Larry Ridley, who was on the game of Madden as a commentator, one of the voices. And then just uh, using that information to then help me, you know, prepare myself to shoutcasting. I remember doing my first shoutcasting match with uh, Alex Mendez, Golden Boy. And it was a Gears of War tournament out in New York in the Microsoft store off of Fifth Ave and up in upstairs in the little hidden away studio. So, um, well, he's down the block you know, from my office. Exactly. And it was, uh, that from then on, it just started coming. So I did two tournaments within a month in New York. So I flew to New York and once it was January and it came back in early February. And then I met Larry at the second trip. And then he said, I'm on, I'm doing the Madden tournament. Uh, could you come and shout cast it with me? I'm like, yeah. So I came back like another month and a half later, like April, March of the same year, I believe it was 2018. And I was at, we were at, uh, where were we were at, we we're in a uh, Buffalo Wild Wings in Times Square, and we were there for pretty much the rest of this, the spring year, that year from like April all the way to June, and I was back every month, uh, coming there to shoutcast Madden, and it just then the word started to get out that Amon Green is a shoutcaster and he he knows video games, he's serious about it, he's not just somebody who's trying to make a you know make a name for himself because he already has a name from football, he actually is making it a place in esports and what he does now. So, you know, commentating video games. So that word got out and it was all positive. And so I just kept, you know, when people called me, send me an email. I said, you know, basically if I can do it, I'm going to do it. If I can, I'll let you know what days I'm available. And if I can, then maybe hopefully it'll be a next time. And uh, just did my homework, studied up on a lot of games, you know, because I had to learn some of the really detailed part of the games um, that, you know, I maybe didn't know stuff about Madden and the, and the controller and the strategy and the coverages, stuff like with uh, Gears of War, the wall bouncing, things of that nature. That was a different multiplayer um, flow than it was Call of Duty and Halo. So learning that stuff was was fun. It was hard, but it was interesting. And it was like I said, it was fun. So it just made me better at what I needed to do. Awesome. So, you know, we're going to kind of finish off. Tell us a little about the Amon Green Foundation, you know, kind of what comes of some work you've done with it recently and in general. Yeah, it was, um, well, recently with COVID, I haven't done a whole lot, but in the past, I say in the past five years, so before COVID hit about five years ago, it was, uh, I was doing, you know, Madden tournaments yearly to raise funds for um, 
um, Alzheimer's awareness and and families dealing with cancer. So my event would either be a golf event or a video game tournament. And that's kind of where another um, where I saw the future is like I played a lot of golf events for fundraisers for charities all the time. And then I'm like, the next best thing is a video game tournament. And, you know, maybe I'm not I won't have a whole lot of adults doing that, <laughs> but I know I could get their kids in to donate, you know, at these Madden tournaments or get kids to do it. And that's basically started to happen. And so I did Halo tournament, the race seven grand in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. I did Madden tournaments in Nebraska and Wisconsin that raised anywhere between five and 10 grand for Alzheimer's for cancer research the, and development. And uh, it just was something that was a passion of mine that I know I wanted to give back. I've done football camps over the years in Omaha, Nebraska, my hometown. And uh, we did free, it was free football camps for kids to come in and learn football skills training and uh, so the future of that is basically once i could get back to having an in-person event where not only am i going to do traditional football camps i'm gonna have um also esports camps you know something i'm gonna tie in with my with my job here at lakeland university that is uh i say the plan in the future of that so what's the future for mod green and you know the esports and gaming space oh man um i kind of touched on it like i said bringing the my foundation you know here to have esports camps for the kids here at lakeland university to recruit more players and become one of the best uh, universities in the games that we play. And we right now have one national title in Madden and I want to, you know, get more in Madden. I want to get some in Call of Duty in Rainbow Six and in League of Legends. And I want to have the best players, but then also I want to have the best people, you know, off the game, off the stick, off the controller, off the mouse and keyboard that they are, you know, well-rounded human beings physically and mentally. Um, we work out together as a team in during the training camps and I'm gonna try to keep that going throughout the year. Um, you know, for esports athlete going in the weight room is a little that's a little odd to them, but that's part of the deal if you come to Lakeland. So I say B we're gonna I wanna make the university uh, a university that is talked about by a lot of places, you know, that we're doing new things always, that we're always trying stuff out just to see how it works. And uh, I say pioneering certain things, you know, training camps and physical tr- training for esports players and things like that. And it's just, just pioneering the, I say the genre because it, it's here and it's going to be here for a long time and it's not going anywhere. And, I mean, if we, and then try to be competitive in every game we play, basically that is right now, I say for future for, and then for me, I say, continue to do what I do as coaching, um, build my brand with the podcast. I mean, you're helping with that, with, um, getting the name out there, getting me connected with different um, companies and partnering and sponsoring and being an ambassador and uh, to continue to grow, you know, what I know I, I can do and the word and the leadership that I can bring, inspiration that I could bring to the world, not, you know, through what I did on the football field now through the video game business. Amazing. So, you know, I'd like to end it with my three questions. So, you know, what's your favorite game to watch? I would say as of right now, that's a tough one. It's toss up between Madden and Call of Duty. Those are probably my, because I tune in to CDL League all the time, every weekend, obviously watching the players play, but also getting my information as a coach, how I could get better as a coach to to see details from those games when those pros are playing. Um, so I could teach my players or show my players what they did right and wrong to help off of that. So I would say I would just, I'll go with Call of Duty because it's more, it's more help now than anything. So what's your favorite games to play? Oh, uh, same ones. Madden, Call of Duty. I'm getting into a little bit of League of Legends, uh, TFT, 
team fight tactics and I say RPGs from Cyberpunk and Last of Us 2. And I just downloaded MLB The Show. Um, got the hard disk actually on uh, Xbox Series X. So there you go. Okay, so, you know, last one. So who's your favorite video game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. <clears throat> oh, man. I would have to say, I would have to say Link. I want to go keep it, I say nostalgic. Link from Legend of Zelda. That was my first hardcore RPG. Um, Legend of Zelda. Um, the gold cartridge on Nintendo Entertainment System. Had it, played it, wore it out. Uh I wish I wouldn't have sold it to <laughs> sold. It, I think I sold it to a pawn shop or something. I the wish game I wouldn't stop, have stopped, right? Like we sold right. everything. Yeah. I got I don't do that no more. I keep everything. I keep everything now. So um, but yeah, that was I say from for everybody, because I love also I love Master Chief too from Halo. That's my guy. I can't wait to play Halo Infinite. Halo six comes out. I'm excited for that. I'm glad they push it back to make sure it comes out proper. Amazing. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was, you know, really insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Um, sure. You can find me in a lot of places. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and two places. Amon Green 30, all one word, and then Amon Green, or I say AG underscore Gamers Lounge on Twitter and Instagram. And also on on Facebook at Amon Green and Amon Green's Gamers Lounge or AGG or AG underscore Gamers Lounge. I'm on Snapchat at, at Amon Green. I'm on Twitch TV, on a, a Mind Green TV, all one word, and a Mind Green's Gamers Lounge podcast, also on Twitch, and and a Mind Green's actually to get in. And our website is aggglounge.com for the Gamers Lounge, so we could go in there and you can see all the old previous shows are on there, and uh, what shows are coming, and what our guests are coming, and what we've done, you know, on the streaming side of it as well. Well, you know, everyone, make sure to check those episodes out and to tune in live each Wednesday. And, you know, thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. thinking about mcdonald's all day can't get it off my mind i can already taste it Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some mickey d's deal there's a deal for every moment at mcdonald's right now get two of your favorites for just 350 mix and match a classic mcchicken a hot and spicy mcchicken or a juicy mcdouble price and participation may vary cannot be combined with combo meal single item at regular price whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.